I've been reading so much about Ukraine. I'm obsessed. Welcome to the party. You're only about 24 hours behind, 36 hours behind. But um, I, yeah, I was a bit surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised that you were not following it necessarily, but I knew that you would get into it. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think the first thing I saw was Russia invading and I was like, this is just going to be depressing, right? Like I didn't expect Ukraine to fight. I thought Russia was invading because they knew they could just do it and take over and maybe they'd installed some kind of, you know, pro-Russian puppet or something. And then also over the weekend, you know, just being in Dalesford, I didn't really, you know, catch up with it. And, um, Fair enough. You're on your romantic yeah, weekend exactly. away. You, you don't, don't want, want to be debating be... Putin's motives. And a war cabinet establishing at, at the lavender farm. <laughs> you know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Might have broken the magic a little bit. But um, <clears throat> I think as well, not being on Instagram so much, that's yeah. where I get the majority of my news, you know, and I don't really follow any news stuff on Facebook. And there's only really one news source I kind of trust. Mm-hmm. Not that I've done my research, but just one I have, which is the Daily Oz on Instagram. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I just I know even less about what's going on mm. in the world, which part of me is like, well, yeah, there's just so much shit. I don't want to take it on as an individual. But then the other part of me is like, well, I am a politics major. If <laughs> I'm like not keeping up with current events mm. and understanding what's happening in the world, like who is? And it kind of makes me a bit worried. I'm like. You know, if I'm already jaded at the age of 25. Um, anyway, so yes, but it's all been quite, I was writing my journal about it, getting quite emotional. Mm. Uh, it's something that is quite touching about it all. There is definitely something very touching about uh, a lot of the stuff coming out. Mm. And like I said yesterday, I you've got to exercise your critical faculties yes. to not just believe everything and from yep. the, you know, positive towards Ukraine as well. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's quite extraordinary the way they're fighting. They are fighting back. I think so. Yeah. And I think also, um, yeah, I think you're very right. It's a very, they're doing quite a good PR job right now. Mm. Of course, Ukraine's in the better position than Russia because mm-hmm. it's such a kind of unjustified, uh, you know, aggressive assault. Mm. Um, but, you know, I was reading a little bit more about the Snake Island and how they they did end up surrendering. And they're alive. You know, and they're alive. So, you know, the kind of the line that they died heroically and in defiance, mm. not so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still, it's still, you know, both sides are fighting their kind of war, proper, you know, using their propaganda and, and it is a war right now and that's just mm. what every side does. Mm. And, you know, Ukraine is in the, the right. Um, Seth was saying he was reading how, um, how they've put out an open letter to Europe for anyone who wants to come fight. Did you read oh, about no, that? I haven't. Mm. Yeah, so anyone who wants to come fight, they say, we will we will arm you. And so people are, like, on all these different, you know, websites and stuff saying, oh, you know, anyone leaving from this town? And people are road tripping, like, convoying to Jeez. go fight in this war, which is kind of astounding. Yeah, that, that has happened. Spanish Civil War. Okay, so it has happened since the Spanish Civil War, but you're right, Ern- sure. Ernest Hemingway was yeah did that. But people went to fight. The ide- for the ideology yes, of it all, you yes, know? exactly. Yeah. And Ernest did, uh, but he, mm. for some reason, he, he did not fight, but he worked on the ambulances. 
and helped. <laughs> maybe maybe you couldn't. Yeah, maybe you couldn't <laughs> sign up if you were an he American. Got there, I was like. Hmm. Or maybe, you know, for all of his hunting and, yes. you know, much machismo, you know, he didn't yeah. have the, yeah. the stomach for it. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But it mm. has happened since. I do remember hearing and. In the just, Balkan? Um, it might have been in the Balkans. It might have mm. been um, that in the in the 90s, but could have also been in the 2000s. I don't think it wasn't around the Iraq war or Afghanistan. So it was definitely, yeah, the Balkans, the U- mm. what was formerly Yugoslavia um, mm. war there in the 90s. Yeah, people going from other countries to, to fight. Yeah. And, of course, we've had it here too with, um, a, uh, you know, Australian Muslims going and joining ISIS, uh, but in very small numbers, like one or two or three or five do you remember mm. that? Like in the last yes. ten years, five years? Yeah. It still happens. Yeah. And you know, obviously that's a that's well, different. I guess it's it's different. Well, but they think it is different. They think they're going to fight. Um they think they're going to you know, help. But this this is different. That's interesting. What countries do you know? Well, just back on the ice Oh yeah. You know, the difference is they get indoctrinated and like worked to then come and go you know what I mean like yes. that that radicalization yeah sure is is kind of I think a long process and something that happens like a lot through you know certain parts of like the internet and you know all those like message boards and communities that get yep. kind of yeah good point rolling. good point and um, and I didn't I meant yeah I guess I meant a, there were I'm sure there was one Australian person who was not a Muslim who went. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's probably more who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Maybe converted or. Sure, but, sure. You know, as we've said before and as we'll say again, don't come here for facts. <laughs> <laughs> the facts just come for what we think might be right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it is quite interesting kind of comparing it. And I know people are very much comparing Putin to Hitler, but also, you know, to the the U.S. kind of war on the Middle East. And it's so interesting because that's probably like the most recent war that has like been in my life, Mm. you know, that I've kind of grown up with reading about and hearing about. Mm. And so I just found it so shocking to just be like, oh, wow, just someone to invade a country without even trying to create a justification like 9-11 or like some kind of, oh, they did something to us first, to just literally march in without provocation, mm. you know, is has been quite shocking. And for there to be, yeah, another war in Europe is quite shocking. I didn't think I would see that in my lifetime. I also didn't think I would see a global plague, but, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're there. We're, we're there. Um, the latest time cover mm. is um, a photo of Putin, have you seen it? And then mm. a, a torn piece across and revealing yes. the Hitler moustache. Yes, mm. which is It is interesting. I think I haven't read it. You sent it to me and for some reason sometimes with Twitter stuff I can't. Oh, did I? I sent it, yeah. I can't keep up on my information, information dissemination. I'm like Reuters and I'm like texting (laughs) all this stuff to you and then mum and (laughs) in a group. (laughs) Yeah, it's like your war correspondence. I am. You know, know, how are you on the ground? (laughs) (laughs) um you know keeping keeping your finger on the pulse i am you know so i think that's very interesting as well oh but yeah i don't know so did i think seth said that that people are road tripping where from what countries 
like Sweden, like Central Europe, people are going. Bjorn, yeah, Bjorn, Bjorn I can kind of imagine Bjorn being like, fuck yeah. I don't know. And that's the thing. I do wonder who these people choosing to go mm. are, what kind of people they are, and, and whether we should be giving them guns. I don't know. Mm. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. But it's also like this is really the only chance that Ukraine has is for them and their people and individuals to fight because I think it's becoming maybe a bit clear that countries will sanction, countries will give them money or aid. But, yeah, I think they're very scared of, like, actually coming in force to deal with Russia, if that makes sense. Because I was reading a little bit more about NATO and because Putin was all like, you know, their comments are very dangerous, blah, 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 blah. And the head of NATO was like, we have no kind of like when Russia doesn't need to fear NATO kind of essentially saying they're not going to step in, which I thought they were. Mm. Again, I could be wrong. Mm. I was reading this yesterday. But yeah, the stuff Putin is saying is very escalatory. You know, he was like, if anyone gets in the way, you will see consequences you've never, ever seen before. Mm. And it's like. I don't feel great that this man has access to nuclear weapons. I think he's kind of seeming a bit unhinged right now. Yeah, he is. I think that all the justifications people have given, like I remember you saying that it was maybe a a religious thing because there's a lot of important orthodox sites in Ukraine. Yeah, you know, it's the soul of Russia. It's the soul of Russia, apparently. But it has been for the last then Mm. however many years. Why now and why it? To me, it seems like either an act of desperation or an act of madness. Maybe both. And Seth was saying, and maybe, yeah, Seth was saying, imagine if we, like, we don't know it, but, like, Russia's on, like, the brink of collapse and this is the only way they can try survive is to take resources from another country. You know, he was like, it would be so like Russia to lie about how much, like, gas reserves they have and how much they actually have. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah, was saying she was talking to someone the other night who was kind of in like in international relations but from one of the stand countries or kind of from that yeah. area and seemed quite pro-russian which mm. is interesting so kind of was saying that nato had like barred russia from joining and promised that no other countries would be kind of like let in and then like allowed the ukraine and all of those other countries to join so like nato essentially from russia's perspective is like bordering mm. russia again i don't know if that's just n- another kind of ex- excuse along with you know the the president of ukraine being um a nazi even though he's jewish you know it's like mm. i feel like there's a lot being thrown around right now for them to try justify yeah and it's likely that it's any or all of those things plus other other things mm. that he will have used to justify it i mean this is putin does he have to justify mm. it to his cabinet or whoever and and Jim was talking about there's a photo of Putin talking to I think his cabinet and it's in that I think we talked about this yesterday an enormous room and he is set so far back and they are so far away and Mm. it's very very opulent like this you know Mm. huge cavernous building like a czar comparing that to Zelensky down on the street with his with his Mm. guys holding the phone, mm. doing, you know, doing a live video or whatever it was, uh, yeah. just talking to camera. Mm. I think this is the problem when people are dictators and have kind of that full authoritarian power because you have so much power within your own little world that you've created, people do start to mm. believe that they are that powerful, that they are that chosen, they are that impressive, they are that, you know, whatever they have kind of constructed within their own societies, you know, 
in in the whole of that country. He is a mm. god, you know what I mean? And he has that absolute power. And so you do start to believe it. And like Hitler did when he thought he could take on all mm. of Europe, you know? Yeah. And I do wonder, it's like to kind of get into that position and to believe that much of yourself, you know, you have to wonder what und- underlying kind of maybe mental yeah. <laughs> conditions or, or tendencies might be going on. But yeah, it's interesting because there's been so many protests in like all the major European cities and in Russia and they've like arrested like 6,000 protesters. Yeah. So brave. I know. Oh, that would be, I don't, I don't know if I would so be. So brave. I don't know that I'd be that brave. I don't know mm-hmm. if I would either. Yeah. To know that you could, you just could disappear, mm-hmm. you know, or you could just, you'd be in prison forever if that's what yep. you wanted. Yeah. And so. I think that's what it is, is like the humanity of this whole situation is really shining through. And I don't feel like we often these days see people really pulling together for like what is good and what Mm. is right and what Mm. is just, like those values Mm. so much. Yeah. And do you remember that New Year's Eve meal we had in St. Petersburg Mm. and the TV being on? Our table was near a TV that was on, and this was a really classy, expensive. Very fancy restaurant. the oldest restaurant in St. Petersburg. In St. Petersburg. And, you know, we arrived and everyone's arriving in their fur and there's like this marble foyer and you go upstairs and it was magical. And then they just had this TV on this little trolley with wheels and we were just a bit like... and asked the waiter, said, can, can that be turned off? And he said, yes, but it needs to be turned on later for when our president speaks. And we're like, oh, okay. And it clicks who that is. And where we were. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're where in we Russia. Were. And, that's, and that's Putin. Yeah. And can you remember the, mm. the atmosphere of, because there was some, he gave a speech and then they all sang the anthem and we all stood up. Everyone stood up. It was it was quite, it was very intense, mm. like, you know, obviously we couldn't understand what he was saying, but, you know, he's there, backdrop of like the Kremlin, you know, and is giving quite a, you know, quite powerful, even though I can understand what mm. he was saying, but just like everything about his movements and the way he was speaking, and, you know, the Russian of it all. And yeah, then everyone stands up, oh, I guess, I guess we will. And everyone starts singing the Russian national anthem. And it was, yeah, a, a very interesting moment that I'm, I'm glad we got to be a part of, to be honest. It was quite but it was very nationalistic, mm. you know what I mean? And for it to be on, say, New Year's Eve, which isn't like it's like Russia's national no. day. It's just, yeah. you know, yes, New Year's Eve. it felt quite military to me and this is mm. just a, a civilian holiday. But maybe over there every opportunity for a speech and the national anthem is what happens. I suspect. Mm. I reckon, like, I think that, that's how people kind of draw this into people. It becomes part of everyday mm. life. There's nothing that's not touched by the regime or the ideology or the mythology or whatever you're creating. And that's how people come to kind of, yeah, live and breathe it. And it's like a reminder. Yeah. It's a reminder. I am here and I am watching. And and I'm part mm, of everything yeah. you do. You know, there's no moment just for mm. you guys to, as a private citizen. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. I don't know. I think we'll, we'll all keep watching and I just hope it turns out well and it doesn't, yeah. you know, destroy the whole of Ukraine. You know, so I don't know. I, I don't know how much power or autonomy that the Russian government has. I don't know if they kind of coup in the way that the Turkish army used to. But, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard of coups. No, not uh, really. Someone made an interesting point that the last time, uh, lots of comparisons with World War One, and mm. that what people don't realise is that World War One 
happened. Russia was involved, but then three years later they had the Russian Revolution. Mm. So what you just said before about us not knowing the state of the country, yeah, that, that could be a bit of an echo or a similarity. I don't think we've known the true state of that mm. country, yeah, since probably ever, you know what I mean? Like every other country came out of World War One. And, like, you knew what was going on in terms of their economies, in terms of, like, the damage of the war and all mm. of that. And then same with World War II and just Russia has just been this, like, silent wall yeah. that, you know, apparently came down in the 90s. But even since then, like, all was kind of flashed before us with these, you know, oligarchs and how much money they had and how much Russia was prospering and becoming this powerhouse. Where I, yeah, whereas I don't think that's necessarily the case. There were oligarchs in that restaurant, almost certainly, Oh, my God, absolutely. I um, remember when we were, was it in Moscow when we went and had tea at that hotel? We had high tea. Was it the PP Hotel or another one? We went to a few hotels for our afternoon teas. We did. It was like it became a bit of a ritual because, you know, you'd be out and it was cold and it was snowing, we were seeing stuff, and you just had to take mm. shelter just, you know, and get into the warmth after just being out in this, like, frozen world and then you just kind of step out of these gray streets into this like opulent gold everything was just so over the top yeah. which I didn't expect it was like imperial Russia still existed and I kind of didn't expect it to have survived um all of the you know communism but yeah we we're just in the lobby having this like really gorgeous high tea and there was just this this mm. group of men mm. weren't there, there? Like a high like, oligarch rating there <laughs> I think so. I don't. I, I don't think any of them were oligarchs themselves, but they had such a like kind of goon. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like high up, but that kind of energy. And then they were having, you know, their high tea too. <laughs> like right. it was really. And do you remember the other? We're at the other hotel, not that one. And the man got mm. taken into the elevator by hotel security, and he looked semi-conscious. Do you remember that? And they had oh. earpieces like. CIA. Yes. And they were sort of almost carrying yes. him, two of them, between them, to the elevator yeah. like, through the through the yeah. restaurant, through the cafe. <laughs> yes, I forgot about mm. that. That was, yeah. Oh, my God, I completely forgot about that. You know, so it's like you're in Russia and you probably are thinking, you know, it's not really going to be like what we fear it to be. And it, and it really wasn't. It was such a lovely experience and the people were so nice. But there's just this feeling that a lot's happening behind the scenes, like moving around you, and you're just there as a little tourist being like, oh, how nice, how beautiful St. Basil's. And then, you know, you're seeing kind of little things that out of the corner of your eye are a bit like that's, you know, odd. So, yeah, it's a very mystical and magical place, I would say, mm. Russia is. But, yeah, this might, I reckon, put a bit of dent in my plans to be there at the end of the year oh, <laughs> with yes, Sam, God, I didn't even with think Ellis. Like when Jim said the other day, oh, will this change Lily's plans or this should change Lily's plans or Lily surely <laughs> wouldn't be going now sort surely. of thing. And I'm like, I hadn't even thought about it. I hadn't even clicked I, and I'd forgotten Me that you to go to Russia for Chrissy or New Year. I know. So, yeah, there's just a few things piling up right now, which is a bit like, Okay. Though I did look, you know, where I'll be along the Balkans, along the coast is like two to three countries away from any conflict, if not more. So, you know, I think that it's unlikely for it to come out of, they'd have to, they'd have to win in Ukraine, get a hold and then expand out, which 
is very So you're going to try and fit in your holiday around the Russian army's um, ability to (laughs) – What's the word? Invade and occupy, you know, (laughs) not too many countries so you can get in and out. Yeah, kind of. I'm going to use my... Your your history knowledge. Historical, yeah, and my my international relations political knowledge of how hard armies find to, you know, capture, keep and then extend on in terms of supply lines and think that they're probably unlikely to make it to, like, Croatia by the time I want to be there. They're going to, I think they're going to be stuck in guerrilla warfare in the Ukraine for months. They will be. Yeah, they will be. And it's kind of good. That will be to the advantage of Ukraine. Guerrilla warfare is incredibly, incredibly Mm -hmm. effective, you know, much better than them trying to face off with tanks or whatever, because to be honest, Russia would probably just destroy them. So yeah, they'll, it's just the issue with that is that so much damage happens to the country and cities and buildings and infrastructure. So Anyway, we'll see. Watch this yeah. space. Who knows? I might be recording a, a podcast from, you know, Croatia as the Russia's invading. Um, then you yeah. can be the war correspondent. Exactly. I'm there on the ground reporting from my mum's bad diaries. Yeah. 